Welcome to Our Calcutta. I'm Kelly Burt. And I'm Amanda Livermore. We are two cradle Catholics who had major reversions to our faith in our adult lives. After encountering Christ in this real way, we began searching for ways to best serve and love Him. We soon discovered that our world around us, where our Father has placed us, is where we are called to serve. These are our experiences, and we hope that by joining us in Our Calcutta, you'll discover a little bit more about yours. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Our Calcutta. And today, Kelly and I are here to talk about the new year. Hello. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. And so here we are in 2021, a few days in. Have we broken our resolutions? (laughs) Probably. probably. (laughs) So we're recording this before the new year. I'm just assuming we've we've already broken them. But we think about New Year's and New Year's resolutions and always this desire to kind of be better and it's always good to look with that mindset of, of how can we grow and how can we improve? And really that's something great to actually prayerfully discern. God, how are you asking me to be better? What are you calling me to in this new year? But a lot of times it can actually go into this dangerous zone of perfectionism and thinking that we need to be perfect. As a matter of fact, we hear in scripture that we're supposed to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. And so a lot of times it can be very obvious, at least to me, in the many ways that I'm not perfect. And I think we got to talk about that, about what the what the world says about being perfect and really what Jesus is actually talking about when he says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect since I can't seem to be perfect for even just a couple minutes at a time. (laughs) It's good that Jesus came because that's why he came for us, right? Because he knew we couldn't do it on our own. Uh, So the good news is he has given us an answer to that, which is himself. So how do we do it? How do we walk towards perfection without enslaving ourselves to this idea of being perfect? Well, I love this topic because perfectionism is something that I struggle with very much and always have since I was a kid, and I didn't ever have a label for it or what to call it. And so I knew that I would try to do things, and then when I wouldn't do them perfectly, I would just say, oh, forget it, I can't do them. So as I've grown older, just this idea of taking one step at a time, and as we were doing, doing research for this topic, I came across in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you salute only your brethren, what more are you doing than others? I'm going to kind of stop there and think, okay, so Jesus is kind of giving us an idea of the, of the things that we are to do and to not to do. But then he goes on to say, do not even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And as I read that, I'm good. I'm good. And I'm like, oh no, he wants me to be perfect. I can't. But we know for sure that that's not what Jesus is asking us. And so as we were doing the research a little bit, I found that, that in here that Matthew's using the, the Greek, um, teleos, which I hope is the correct way to say that, which means fully grown or final. So he's saying, you must therefore be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, which means fully grown or final. And as Amanda and I were talking about this, we kind of had this idea of 
maybe all of us with our own kids and how we have these babies and we certainly wouldn't expect them to act like a full-grown adult. That'd be weird. <laughs> That'd be really weird um, when they're a little baby. So as parents, we look at them and we want to nurture them and we want to help them grow. And and one day we'll have the idea of seeing them fully grown um, as fully grown adults. And that will give us such joy and pleasure. And so I think in the same way that, that our Father in Heaven is looking at us and, and kind of helping us learn and grow and walk, walk slowly towards this idea of being fully grown, which we know is our time in heaven. So how do we kind of live this idea? So we're in this new year and, and really we're, we're, depending on when this airs, we're probably still even in the Christmas season, which is kind of a beautiful time to be talking about growing and changing and, and learning. But it's also a beautiful time to talk about just realizing that we are not perfect and that we need we need our Savior. We need Jesus to help us and to walk with us. So how do we kind of walk towards heaven, as Amanda asked before, and learn and grow and, and make these resolutions and, and become the best version of ourselves without that pesky perfectionism creeping in? I can remember, you know, a long time ago when I was first going through my conversion, and I think it was Lent. It was either Lent or Advent. I can't remember when. It was a new liturgical season, and I had decided that I was going to pray the Liturgy of the Hours. So for those who don't know, the Liturgy of the Hours is the prayer of the church, and it's it's what priests are asked to pray five times a day. I was planning on praying them all. In your and, spare time. Yeah, in my spare time. And I had three little kids at the time, and, and th- this was going to be what I was going to do. It never occurred to me to try to pray one of them, <laughs> like to try to maybe just pray morning prayer or to try to just pray night prayer. I was going to pray all of these. So I got the whole set, the Liturgy of the Hours set um, of books, which is this huge set of it. It almost looks like encyclopedias. They're a little bit smaller. I was ready to pray the Liturgy of the Hours. And I'm sure that you can imagine that stopping my day five times throughout the day to stop and say these prayers was really not conducive to my vocation of motherhood, specifically when my kids were very little and needing me. And so that lasted like, I don't know, two or three days. And, and so <laughs> like, be quiet, mommy's praying. Right. Liturgy so, the be, be quiet. I'm trying to figure out where my ribbon goes in this book. And so, you know, that's just kind of a good example of, I, I had this idea that I was going to pray and I was going to, I was going to do it in such a grand way. And that was kind of rooted, I think, in a lot of pride on my part. And it would have been a lot simpler and maybe a lot more blessed if I had just decided to do one small thing, one small change, maybe extend my, my morning prayer time, or maybe add a rosary per day or something small and then work my way up. So, you know, in my perfectionistic mind at the time, I'm thinking, well, if I can't pray all five liturgy of the hours, then I'm not going to pray at all. (laughs) So I think it's important to kind of get that balance so that you don't, you don't end up walking away from something that really could be quite beautiful. Yeah. And really this idea of if we're taking steps towards God, then that is success, right? Mother Teresa says, we're not called to be successful. We're called to be faithful. And so what are those little faithful steps that we're taking? You know, you brought up our babies and I think about the times that it would let them hold my fingers and just take a couple of steps and then fold my fingers away and they would fall, but then they'd get up again and try again. And the next time maybe they'd walk one more step. And so that idea of, yeah, just those baby steps towards the right direction and being reasonable with yourself so that you can achieve that and continue to have that, that real growth perfectionism, you know, your, to your point, Kelly, and I think this is such a good point. Perfectionism is not about that natural self growth, you know, towards that, that wholeness that you talked about. Perfectionism is really at its core, trying to earn that approval and that acceptance. And that can be a dangerous 
road, you know? So uh, I have an example. When I started working at the Chancery several years ago, so before I worked at Bishop Moore, I was working for the diocese and um, it was great to be here and to work in this office. And I, I knew it was kind of this big, I knew my imperfections. And so I felt like, uh, at any moment, they were going to realize I was not qualified for this job. <laughs> and fire you. And fire me. <laughs> so I really loved working here. I loved the work that happened from here and how we were able to serve the Church of Orlando. And one of the ideas that came forth from the communications office here was they wanted to do this video series on what our faith looked like in day-to-day life. And they were calling it the Way, the Truth, and the Life series. It's still out there on YouTube if you want to give it a gander. <laughs> <Who am> I might. <laughs> uh, but... They were doing this and they asked me, I mean, we had only, gosh, I'd only been working here. I was commuting from Lakeland. I had only been working here for maybe a year or two at that point. They asked me if they could record my family as a part of this video. And so, boy, did I think I had arrived because I thought, oh, you're making a video about how to live faith and you want to record my family. So apparently whatever I was doing, they uh, had them fooled because they thought that we were (laughs) we were going to do, you know, we were going to do well. So. I remember that day. I mean, we had it on the books and they had told me kind of what they were going to be looking for. We want video of family having dinner and praying together and all of these things. And at that time, the kids were probably four and six ish years old. Those Uh, are prime years for optimal behavior in front of of the camera for dinner. (laughs) Right. So first I ran through Publix and got a rotisserie chicken already cooked obviously, (laughs) and the pre-made mashed potatoes and vegetables and all of that and flowers. And I rushed home and I'm running into the house and I'm yelling at the kids. I'm like, pick your shoes up off the floor and, you know, go take a bath real fast. And, you know, all of these things. And I'm putting the rotisserie chicken in a dish. So it looks like I cooked it, <laughs> which I don't even know if people really cook chickens. At home. I've never cooked one myself, but anyway, um, so thank you like public dinner <laughs> right. at your house. I should have put a, I should have put a disclaimer at the bottom. <laughs> Do not try this at home. Anyway. So I put the chicken and then I had it like surrounded by the mashed potatoes and I put the vase of flowers because we always eat with a vase of flowers and the film crew arrives and they get everything set up and boy does it look like the perfect setting and I've um, as soon as the the doorbell rings and they walk in I stop yelling at the kids and I'm you know like shoving doors closed that all the things are about to fall out that we've (laughs) hidden in that closet or that room and so we end up sitting down for our meal and they're filming and say, so just do what you always do. And like, well, I guess I always carve this chicken. (laughs) So we're, we're, you know, kind of dishing out the food and said, we say our blessing, which we do always pray before meals. And so we finished praying. And then the, the person who was recording said, okay, I want to get that from a different angle. So can you pray again? And my son says, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we pray once, then we eat. <laughs> so uh, that really began Sorry. an evening of, um, so then it became me saying, okay, guys, now they want us to pray the rosary on the couch. So let's go pray the rosary on the couch. And the kids are like, we never pray the rosary on the kids couch. Be cool. <laughs> Act like we do this all the time. So anyway, the video, the, the kids are like, what is this? What is Mom? happening? What are these right. They were, any, they were real champs about it. When you see this, the video that came out, it is really beautifully done and very well edited. And 
shows this beautiful, perfect situation of a family sitting down to this meal and living their faith in this, uh, you know, kind of perfect way. And I'd kind of wished we had a video of outtakes that everybody could watch, because I think that that's where the reality, you know, this, um, the holiness and the messiness, so to speak, of what it, you know, kind of what it really looks like, what it really looks like to live your faith when you're tired at the end of your work day. And what, uh, to your point, Kelly, what resolutions can we have that are reasonable within the reality of our day? I, I kept thinking I was having these people to my house. Why did I go drive all the way to Orlando for a full day of work that day when they were coming to the house? I should have been more reasonable and said, if you want a clean house, I'm going to probably at least have to work a half day and go home and clean up. So, but that perfectionism for me really reared its ugly head because what I wanted everyone to see was this vision of what I thought a holy family looked like when in reality, the family that I have, even in all of our messiness is a beautifully holy family. And, you know, whatever meal I normally would have cooked would have been just fine. You know, I didn't have to put on the show. So uh, that's kind of what I was thinking about when I was thinking of perfectionism. I love that. I love that idea of, as you were talking about a holy family, I was thinking about the holy family. And if you kind of break it down there and just this this messiness, I mean, they, they gave birth to their, their baby in a barn with animals on hay. And then after what, a few weeks they had to to flee and go into Egypt. And I mean, none of these things are perfect. Raise their child there in a land that they weren't familiar with or comfortable with and all of these kind of messy things, but they were the most holy family. So um, I love the idea of just this, the messiness is kind of where the holiness is. And I think sometimes we can be our own worst enemy with our perfection and think that only with perfection means that we're we're holier, that we're growing closer to God. I can't tell you how many times I've had that similar experience where you're you're talking with your kids and you know you're kind of like be quiet, mommy's trying to pray or whatever <laughs> right, it is. Right. And so as we talked about before, and so really where's God in that and and God's in that moment with your kid. God's in that moment where you're just spending with them even more so than than any kind of lofty prayers that I think that we might have. The heavenly father, what's the perfection that he's bringing to the imperfect moment, Mm -hmm. which, you know, just came to my mind as you were sharing that, you know, this manger scene, you know, what, what are the miracles that are happening in the midst of all of our own messiness? And, and so we have two sides of this coin, right? One side is this arrogance thinking that I need to put on this perfect face for, you know, this perfect Instagram post, this perfect, you know, place set up for when the guests show up because they can't possibly see my mess. But the other side of that is self-rejection, right? It's the other side of that coin is thinking that I'm not good enough and believing that because I can't be perfect, like Kelly was saying about, you were saying about the um, liturgy of the hours, then I might as well just throw my hands up and give up completely. And both pull us from the reality uh, that we are loved, that we are chosen. We have to be so careful that that, that perfectionism or the, the weight of being imperfect doesn't pull us out of that, that real reality that our life is not a competition, but it's a dialogue of love. And each moment that we have with one another, or even just with our God is that dialogue of love, even in the imperfection. I love all of that, Amanda, and I think that's so helpful as we look forward to this new calendar year and as we kind of have this clean slate and we look at things that we want to change and as we begin to make changes, we may we may fall, we may fail a little bit. I'm saying this to myself as much as I'm saying this to, to you all as the listeners is just embracing those times that we fail or that we fall down because each one of those, those opportunities is just such a, 
a place of growth for all of us. So we have these times where we fall or we fail at whatever that we're doing, but there's such grace in that because it reminds us of our need for a savior. It reminds us of, of our need to be childlike as St. Therese often comments that, you know, we should approach our heavenly father with this childlike disposition. And so when we, when we realize we're imperfect, we can kind of approach him in that same way. I had a time that I wanted to share with all of you that kind of embodies this, a, a story that happened to my family a couple of years back. This is one where, of my favorites. Where <laughs> we, were, we were in mass and, you know, in, in just this quest for perfection, I would listen to our pastor's homilies and he would, there was one specifically one weekend that he was talking about what family life needs to look like. And I was sitting in the pews and I was thinking, well, check, check, I check. I'm doing all of those things that he's saying. And I felt really good about the fact that I was, you know, I, I had everything checked or so I thought in my mind of, of these things that he was saying that family life should look like. And I even remember having a, th- a thought to myself that if he could come to our house, he would see that we are doing all these things. I had this um, this kind of moment of, um, you know, the opposite of humility. So I had this moment of pride and feeling like my family was just great and we were doing all the things that we were supposed to be doing per father's homily. And so no sooner did I have those thoughts in my mind that we went home from church that day. And I think as often you have experienced in family life that you go, you, you leave church feeling so, so good and so wonderful. And then something happens, you know, that life kind of takes over and there's arguing in the car on the way home or whatever it is. And so I was feeling good after this homily and we went home and this was right after Christmas time. And one of the things that father had mentioned in his homily was to, that we should leave our Christmas decorations up until at least the epiphany or maybe even the baptism of the Lord to remember in our homes that this is the Christmas season. And so I don't know, I guess I wasn't check on that item because as soon as we got home, I said to my husband, we should put our Christmas decorations away. And so he didn't argue and we were busy putting our Christmas decorations away and we weren't watching our children. And (laughs) (laughs) the next thing I know, our, our little one comes running in from outside saying that our, (laughs) he had a little accent and he was saying, Father Pox is here, Father Pox is here. And I was saying, why is Father I thought he was kidding. So I said, what? I don't understand. And so Aaron and I are in the midst of putting away these Christmas decorations. I'm in my pajamas at two o'clock on a Sunday, which is very rare for me, but that, that happened that day. And I go running out into the driveway where the little one is saying, Father Parks is here. And and there is my pastors in my driveway and I say hello and he's there standing next to his bicycle and he says hello back and he says I found your son on the side of the road now this wasn't the little one mind you I wasn't that bad at the time but it was um, my older son but still at the time probably should have been supervised he said I, f- <laughs> I found your son on the side of the road selling silver And I said, what? He had taken some silver platters. They weren't real silver, by the way. They were some silver platters that we had at the house. And he, he decided they were probably worth something. And we, Aaron and I were so busy putting away our Christmas decorations that we shouldn't have been putting away that he went down to the side of the street and tried to sell them. Well, wouldn't you know the one person that came by as he was trying to sell silver? Thank God that the one person that came 
by was not a bad person, but it was indeed our pastor. <laughs> and so I had to humbly it's way better than a lemonade. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> I had to humbly accept my children back from that had been lost from my pastor who had found them down the road as I'm in my pajamas, as my husband is crawling into the attic, clearly visible of said pastor putting away Christmas decorations. <laughs> so which I he specifically said not to which do. Which he had specifically said that day not to do. So all of this to say that, you know, it just really made me realize that we don't have perfection at all moments in our family, that we do have a lot of imperfections and that I really do have a lot of areas that I need for growth. And so I feel like just even in that moment, there was so much growth and humility in both, you know, my, my motherhood and just in general. And I can tell you, I've never, ever sat in the pews again and thought, well, check, check. <laughs> I've always taken everything as a challenge because I know that at any moment, even something that we previously had kind of put a check mark next to is, is up for negotiation. So I learned a lot in that for sure. And definitely just the idea of these small steps towards holiness and these small steps towards growing in our prayer life, growing in our faith. Amanda shared with me a little something. I don't know, Amanda, if you want to share with everyone about the couch to 5k thing that we were talking about that you were part of. Yeah. So my husband's been a runner for a long time. He loves it. He had a group in Lakeland that he ran with that were very good friends. And then we came to Orlando and he kept this up. And I mean, I'm talking marathons, half marathons. One time he did that Disney, that crazy, like he did a 5k one day, a 10k one day, a half one day and a full one day. And I really just saw it as, you know, something that, well, I didn't like it. I would try to go run and I didn't like it and I wasn't good at it right away. And so when you tried to go run, what did you do? Did you try to go like on a 5k? Right. right. (laughs) So I went from not running to trying to read all the liturgies of the hours (laughs) anyway. Um, and I didn't like it. And I would say that I would say, honey, that's your thing. Enjoy it. You know, I would try to be supportive of that, but I just, it was not my thing. And so I found this app called uh, Couch to 5K, and I had the couch part down. Like I was, <laughs> I was really good at the couch part, and so it did. It just kind of slowly walked you. I mean, I want to say the first day was something like you jog for. 30 seconds and then you walk for two minutes and then you jog for 30 seconds and then you walk for two minutes or something like that. And it was such a slow um, progression that I didn't really realize until all of a sudden I was running 5Ks in my neighborhood and comfortable doing that. And now it's something that my husband and I do together. I really love it. It actually has become our best time for conversation. We also sometimes will share AirPods. So we're sharing our playlists with each other and then adorable or normal anyway, but it's just good time together and something we can share. But also I just feel better about myself. I started to have less back problems. I stopped getting migraines, you know, all of these different things because I had really allowed myself to just kind of get unhealthy. And so that was something I really appreciated. And I think for the spiritual life, uh, that couch to 5k mentality is such a good idea. You know, what's, what's something little you can add today, you know, as, as Kelly mentioned, what's, you know, a little step, one step towards holiness that you can do. What's one way you can get up off that proverbial spiritual couch and, um, you know, walk towards holiness and maybe do have a goal, but that goal can be somewhere down the road. You know, it doesn't have to be a goal of starting today. I'm going to do this perfectly, but it might be, Hey, by the end of this year, I'm going to have a better understanding of our blessed mother and more of a relationship with her. And so I'm going to take these little steps, you know, throughout the year 
I love that couch to 5k idea because for me that's that's so understandable to just take that one step to run for 30 seconds and walk for two minutes. So in the same way, you know, as you were saying, Amanda, just adding that that one extra thing. So as we all move towards our resolutions of this new year of the things that maybe it's, it's getting in shape physically. And so you're looking at that idea of doing one thing, um, taking a walk around your neighborhood or changing something that you eat or, you know, spiritually, if it's adding prayer time, it's something very small working up to the idea of, of something a little bit bigger. And I think that all of us will be surprised that in one year's time, maybe there has been a lot of change. With this idea of perfectionism, I found in my reading, I found a book, it's called The Heart of Perfection, How the Saints Taught Me to Trade My Dream of Perfect for God's. And it's by Colleen Carol Campbell. And it's a wonderful book about kind of fighting this idea of perfectionism and, and how it just really harms us in the spiritual life. So that is my book recommendation. Amanda, do you have anything that you recommend? Well, I'm going to add that to my yeah, it's a good one. I've never read that one. I did read, so this is not a spiritual read, although I found it very helpful. Brene Brown, I actually really like a lot of her work on leadership and on, you know, development, self-growth. And she has a book called The Gifts of Imperfection and actually showing us how our imperfections can help us to be vulnerable with others and help us to be a powerful positive influence in the lives of others when we actually embrace our imperfections. And then my, my spiritual read that I was thinking about was Mere Christianity, which I think we've talked about before, possibly, if not, but I do recommend it to a lot of people. But Mere Christianity, uh, C.S. Lewis kind of walks us through in a practical way it's actually a series of his radio shows about the Catholic faith. But one of the things he's really unfolds in there is this idea that Christ will make us like himself. And so when we talked about be perfect, just as our heavenly father is perfect. And Kelly mentioned our need for a savior. And I think that that's where we really need to fall back on. And that's what this book does for me is it's this reminder that I'm not meant to be perfect alone. God's not waiting for me to be perfect, to have a relationship with him. It's precisely through the relationship with him that the possibility of perfection in my eternity is even out there for me. So to allow Christ to be the one uh, who is making me like himself instead of me trying to do it all on my own, <laughs> like a petulant six-year-old, I've got this all by myself. <laughs> so anyway, well, I look Kelly, forward to reading both of those, Amanda, and we will post those on our Instagram page. So oh, if yeah. you're looking for those book rec recommendations, look to our Instagram page and I'll make sure I put a link up there. Perfect. And praying for all of you, you know, that, that we can all look towards the Christ within ourselves and just take these baby steps, you know, starting in this 2021, that whatever this year brings for ourselves, that we're walking towards Christ and we're taking those that we love with us in these baby steps. And we will certainly ask St. Teresa of Calcutta. Pray, pray for, for us. us.